Today we are continuing our, season, our, our series on the Ephesians, um, and I hope you all are enjoying this study. Uh, I was a biblical studies major, so I like just digging into a book of the Bible and taking it section by section and just going through it. So um, this is right in my wheelhouse. I love it. So I hope you're appreciating it too. Um, but I just wanted to start out by kind of going over, setting the stage by revisiting the context that's already been laid out. Uh, so uh, not too long ago, we studied chapter 4 of Ephesians. And in chapter 4, Paul, he provides a, a practical example of what spiritual transformation looks like, looks like in the life of the believer. Um, and so he's talking about um, putting off the old and putting on the new, right? And so he's talking about um, what types of things... Uh, you may have done previously to your life in Christ, and now what you should be doing with this new life in Christ. And it gives a lot of practical examples. And then in chapter 5, uh, Paul continues to elaborate on the concept of the spiritual transformation. And you may remember a few weeks back, uh, Pastor Paul, he came and preached on uh, verses 1 and 2, uh, which Paul encourages us to be imitators of God, right? And then... Um, just last week, Pastor Mark preached on verses 3 through 7, and he talked about the actions and behaviors that Paul lists that not, really are not fitting for those who call themselves Christians. Uh, so this week, we're going to be focusing on uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. So if you'd like to join along in reading, please uh, turn your Bibles, or if you have any electronic devices like I do, Power them up and get them to where they need to be. Um, so this week, Paul, again, he, he continues to drive home the concept of spiritual transformation. And, and in this section of scripture, he's using a, a pretty common metaphor uh, found throughout the Bible. And, and the metaphor is the metaphor of transition from darkness to light. And so he's using this as kind of an image um, to communicate meaning. And the meaning that he's com- uh, communicating is what it looks like to be transformed spiritually. And so I'm going to read this section of scripture. He says, For you are formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful to even speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So Paul um, explains to the Ephesians that they were once in darkness, spiritual darkness, but now they are light. They were once darkness, but they are now light, with an exhortation to be the light. So he starts out in, in verse 8, and um, I hope that you picked up on this, but maybe if you didn't, he says, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Paul says, you were formerly darkness. Notice he did not say, for you were formerly in darkness. Right? There's a subtle difference there. In other words, they weren't living in darkness, 
Darkness wasn't surrounding them. It wasn't the state of their environment, but they were the darkness. And we were too at one time. So the darkness was not something external. It wasn't surrounding them or covering them. It was something internal. Their lives, their lives were dark. Their hearts were dark. Their minds were dark. As I stated earlier, the metaphor of dark versus light is common in the Bible. And, of course, we can you know, all pretty much surmise that dark equals evil and light equals good. Um, even back in the Old Testament, they used the same metaphor. Isaiah uh, chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. So again, he's basically equating darkness with with evil or bad, and light with good. Um, both the God the Father and Jesus personify um, personify goodness, and they are also described as using the image of light uh, throughout Scripture. So I'm just going to share just a couple real quick because there's uh, there's um, a whole lot of them, but we have limited amount of time here. So just a few about Jesus. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. Um, John, describing Jesus coming to earth, he said, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So Jesus is the light. Jesus describes himself. We all know this one. John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Right? Jesus is light. But then, as we continue to explore what the Bible says using this metaphor of light versus dark, um, we see it used to describe our conversion experience as well. Um, in Acts chap- uh, chapter 26, verse 18, Paul here is, is testifying to King Agrippa. You know, he's been arrested and now he's giving his testimony. And he stated that Jesus, at his um, sometime around his time of conversion, told him that he was going to send Paul to the Gentiles. And this is why he says he's going to send Paul to the Gentiles. He says, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God. So again, darkness and light. And then finally, as we become children of God, the Bible says that we become light. Just after the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, remember, Jesus tells his listeners, you are the light of the world. So we have this transition from God, uh, from God being light, from Jesus being light, to taking us from darkness to light, and then us becoming light ourselves. Pretty awesome. So, Getting back to the passage that we're, we're talking about today, uh, Paul has stated that the Ephesians were darkness. Then he goes on, he continues, and he says, But now you are light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. So he's talking about a change that has taken place, right? Uh, the nature of who or what they were uh, is different here. They were darkness, they are light. So what caused that? Well, Christ has come to live and went to live in each one of them at the moment of conversion, right? So Christ 
the light of the world comes to live in each and every one of us when we confess with our mouths and when we believe in our, in our hearts. He comes to dwell in us. Now, the definition of darkness is simply the absence of light. Right? Darkness is not necessarily a thing, but it's the absence of a thing. So darkness is the, the absence of light. And so if, if we are darkness prior to our, our conversion experience with Christ, when Christ, the light, comes to live in us, we are no longer darkness, right? Because darkness is the absence of light. And now there is a presence of light within us. So we have come from being darkness ourselves to being light and to being the light of the world. So Paul has something more to say. He continues to go on to develop this thought. He says, but you are now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So now he's saying, you have changed. You are now something else. Now you need to walk in it. So the word walk um, has traditionally been used by biblical authors to refer to the way uh, the way we live our lives, the way we conduct our lives. Another way uh, to put it might be, but now you are light in the Lord and you need to own it. Right. And we're all familiar with that expression. You need owning something. What does it mean? It means to acknowledge it. Right. We're acknowledging something about ourselves. We're not trying to hide it, but we're, we're owning it. And we're also taking responsibility for it, right? So as we become the light, we need to acknowledge that we are the light, and we need to take responsibility for the fact that we are now the light. And I believe that's a challenge that many of us may need to hear. You, each one of you, are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now you need to own it. So you may be asking, how do we own it? It's a good question. I'm going to go back to the portion of scripture that we're reading. Because Paul gives us a couple of ideas here. First, in verse 10, Paul says that we should be trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So something positive that we are doing, an action we are taking. But not only an action that we're taking, we're not just engaged in an action, but trying to learn. We're engaged with our minds as well. Right? And second, Paul tells us, do not participate in the fruit, unfruitful deeds of darkness in verse 11. So what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing, Paul's laying it out there. And I believe that what Paul is describing here is the process of spiritual transformation. The same process that he's been talking about for two chapters now, he's revisiting again. Again, we are putting off the old and putting on the new. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, which you may used to have participated in. But now, instead, try learning what is pleasing to the Lord. And here we get a little bit more insight into how that process happens. So, as the light of the world comes to dwell in us, we become the light. 
Now that light, by its very nature, begins to do something within us. Just by the very nature of light being light, something starts to happen. In verse 13, he says, But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. So that light starts to come and live inside of us. And by virtue of that light just being there, it starts to expose things, right? I think a very simple illustration of that is just in the middle of the night going and flipping on a light switch. Just by virtue of the light being there, poof, you hear, you see everything, right? You can't help but not. Um, the word exposed here, um, as it's being used, is defi- it can be defined as, it was defined many different ways, and this word was used in many different contexts. Sometimes they were use it, would use it as scrutinizing or, or examining carefully. But I, I like how um, one of the um, biblical scholars put it. He said, by conviction to bring to the light to expose. So when we're talking about exposing, we're saying that by conviction... Christ, or the Holy Spirit, is bringing things to the light. And we see that illustrated again in John, in in the Gospel of John. um, A few verses removed from the the, um, well-known John 3.16 verse. John 3.19, he writes, This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come out to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Hmm. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifest as been having wrought in God. And I'll be honest with you, when I started reading this, I know this may sound a little bit off the wall, but I had this vision because I think cockroaches are evil. And when I went, and I'm actually allergic to them. I, I don't, don't ask me how I know that, but I know I'm allergic to them. So, uh, when I went to Bible college, I, I, I rented this apartment, sight unseen, and I showed up, and it was just chocked full of cockroaches, you know? And you, and we all know what cockroaches do. They're all scurrying around, and also you flip on the light, and they all run off. Because they don't want to be ex- their evil deeds don't want to be exposed. <laughs> Whatever they're up to, I don't want to know about it, and I don't want to see it. So the light, the light is exposing, exposing things. Now, I would be willing to bet that you are like me, and that this idea, to some extent, makes us a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not sure that if Jesus opened a little kiosk in the mall that said, spiritual x-rays here, that people would be running and flocking and being first in line. But I don't, you know, I don't think that we should fear about this. I think that we should be excited about this. And here's one reason why. As I thought about this, I thought, you know, all these things that, that we're trying to hide and that we feel uncomfortable about being exposed Jesus saw those things as he was hanging on the cross. Right? 
Those are the things he died so that we can have victory over. So, I'm going to try and have a better attitude about this, personally. I hope you do too, but I'm going to, I'm going to try and have a better attitude about this. You know, spiritual x-ray, go right ahead. Because he's not exposing things to himself, right? When he's exposing things within us, he's not exposing things to himself. He already knows that stuff's there. He's exposing things to us. He's exposing the harmful things that we may be refusing to acknowledge. We, we want to keep it in the darkness. We want to keep it in the shadows. Thinking that somehow he didn't see. Or the things that we may be, you know, refusing to confront. Maybe I just don't want to deal with it now. I'll, just, I'll save that one for later. And many of us, probably all of us, at least at one point in time in their lives, may have had things like that. But there's also things within us, harmful things that we don't see. And there's also things within us that we do see but don't realize are, are harmful. Uh, and I'll elaborate on that in a little bit. But why does God want to do this? Why is God doing this? Uh, Pastor Mark alluded to it last week, and I, I, you know, his quote, uh, I believe, comes from the, the Good and Beautiful God author. But he says, because God loves us, he stands opposed to the things that are harmful to us. Because God loves us, he stands opposed to the things that are harmful to us. So if there are things in the darkness within us, he's going to expose them. It's just a simple equation here. He doesn't have to think about how I might feel. Maybe I might be embarrassed if I have to talk to God about this. Maybe I don't want to be confronted with it. Maybe I don't want to be challenged by it to work on it. To God, it's very simple. You have something within you that's harmful to you, and I want to get rid of it. So the light exposes the dark things within us that he knows can harm or even destroy us. But this is just the beginning of the process, right, of spiritual transformation, now, traditionally, um, the church has viewed the process, I think, a bit too simplistically. And I know that Pastor Mark has alluded to the same process a time or two. I think we, we, have, we have viewed it a little too simplistically. And we've been taught in the past, or at least I've been taught in the past, that God's going to convict me of sin, and I just need to stop doing that. This is a very simple process. God tells me I, I'm doing something that's not pleasing to him, and I say, Sorry, God, I'm going to stop doing that. But I think if we were all honest, I think we, we could probably admit that in some area of our life, we've tried that and been unsuccessful, even though we had the best intentions. And that can be frustrating. Especially, you know, when your heart's in the right place and you want to serve the Lord, but in this one area of your life, you just keep failing. Well, that's because we're viewing the process, our idea, our understanding of the process, I believe, is a little bit too simplistic. And I think that it's because of our uncomfortableness with the light exposing and convicting us, it, that short circuits the process sometimes. 
Because remember, just a few moments ago, when I listed the types of things that God would expose, I included the harmful things that we don't even see, that we're not aware of within us, and the things that we see but probably don't realize are harmful. We think they're harmless. And those types of things, the things that we don't see, or the things that we do see but maybe think are harmless... We struggle with those because of the result of false beliefs or false narratives that we have formed about God or about the world. And that's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he describes the process of spiritual transformation. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. We're not going deep enough a lot of times. If you have something that, that maybe is frustrating you, um, something that God has convicted you about, um, it's quite possible that at the root of that is a false belief about God, about who he is, about what he's about, or about the world and how the world works. And if you don't get to the root cause of the thing, it's going to continue to fester and bother you. So, if that's what we believe, that simply God tells you that's not right, and you say, okay, God, I won't do it anymore, we don't allow the entire process to run its course. So Paul wrote, but all things, in verse 13, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. That not only includes sinful behavior, that not only includes the obvious stuff, but also the false beliefs or narratives that may be the root cause of that behavior. So I believe that uh, the Holy Spirit wants to continue to work within us to bring out these false beliefs, false narratives, and to heal them with the truth of God's word. But if we simply say, okay, God, I'm going to stop doing that, then we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to really complete that process, right? We think, oh, that's it. All i got to do is stop doing that. Then, once all that's exposed through spiritual disciplines, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and with the support of this community of believers, God begins to rewrite those false narratives. And when he does that, our minds are renewed. So remember that that question that I asked, how do we own it? Well, we own it when we continue to be willing and active participants in this process. That we don't tune out the Holy Spirit. That we don't shortcut the process by just saying, Okay, God, I've, I've heard enough about this. Uh, I, I've got it. It's on my to-do list. I'm going to stop doing this, whatever you're talking to me about. We continue to be willing and active participants in the process. And we work with God daily so that he can completely renew our minds. It's not just about actions. It's about our minds and our hearts. So 
So now we got this. You may be asking, how do we know it's working? And that's another good question. Not only will we be able to tell, but others will be able to tell as well that it's working. But verse 9 is, is our first clue. You go back to verse 9. It says, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now this, again, it's another metaphor that we're really familiar with. It's used often in the Bible, and it's a comparison to the outward visible signs that are the evidence of an internal condition or internal change or the internal state of the heart of a person. And we all know the, the more popular verses like Luke chapter 6, verses 43 and 44, For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. So he's saying, you, you want to know if it's a good tree or not? Is it producing good fruit? So as you can tell, the internal nature and condition of a tree um, by the fruit it produces. So you also can tell the internal nature and condition of a person by the fruit he or she produces. And now here's another thing where I've got to warn people because um, we confuse fruit with, with works a lot of times. And that's a mistake. The fruit that he's talking about is not teaching a Bible study class, is not serving coffee on Sundays, right? That's not the stuff that he's talking about. That's not, he's not talking about kissing babies and walking old ladies across the street. He's not talking about Boy Scout stuff. Goodness and righteousness and truth. Those aren't actions, those are attributes, right? So let's not, let's not uh, confuse works with fruit, because we confuse works a lot of times and we think, oh, that person, they do this and they do that and they do this. Wow, they're just a really awesome Christian. Anybody could do that on the outside, but what's happening on the inside? What are the true fruits? What are we really looking for? Goodness and righteousness and truth. And those come out in situations. It's how people act and react. By the way, I don't believe that this is really meant to be like a comprehensive list. Like we're only going to look for goodness and righteousness and truth as, as fruit. But Paul's throwing out some examples. This is the stuff that we should be looking for. And if we see this in somebody, then we know that that process is taking place. Then we know that they're owning it. So when Jesus tells his listeners, you are the light of the world, this is how your light will shine. People will begin to see goodness and righteousness and truth in you. Another visible sign would be how the world reacts, how people around you react, people that you know that are not Christians. Paul admonished the Ephesians not, uh, not only to not to participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but also to expose them, right? That was the other part of that verse. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, 
but even expose them is what he says. Now, this does not mean that we begin calling out everybody's sin and condemning them for it. I'm not going to go into my, my, my nine to five job on Monday and going, adultery, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> liar, cheater, stealer. I'm not going to be doing that. And I don't believe that we have to do that because I don't believe that works very well. Ask anybody who's tried it. <laughs> And maybe some of us, you know, like in my, in my um, what we call baby Christian days when I just got saved and I was uh, perhaps way over enthusiastic, may have found that out. But I'm not admitting to it. So we don't have to go calling people sin out. But remember... Light, by its very nature, illuminates and exposes, right? Light, by its very nature, illuminates and exposes. So, we're the light of the world. We display the fruit of the light in our lives. And when we display the fruit of the light in our lives, when people can see goodness and righteousness and truth in us, it begins to expose the darkness in them. The fruit of the light does it for us. If we are the light by very nature, we're going to start exposing things in other people. Now, are they going to come out and admit it? Are they going to talk about it? No, most likely not. But it will be happening. Because remember, the process is uncomfortable, especially for unwilling participants. They did not sign up for this, but they're going to get it anyways. Amen? Remember, John said in John chapter 3, verse 20, For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. So there are going to be times when you make people uncomfortable. And if you can tell that you're making people uncomfortable, you may be doing something right. Now, I'll just use this as an example. Well, i got a couple examples, but uh, it always has to do with, uh, you know, my relationship and, and my interaction with people who, you know, are not really believers or not strong believers. Um, I have a, a, a brother-in-law and a sister who um, we see on family occasions and, you know, birthdays and holidays and stuff. And they're always very cordial and we always talk and you know, have a good time. And, you know, uh, there's been several moments where I thought to myself, you know what, I'd like to get together with them outside of just the normal birthday celebration. So we invite them places. And they've never once taken us up on it. And I believe that the Holy, you know, God has been speaking to me saying it's because they want to behave a certain way and you make them feel uncomfortable. Same with people at work. In my workplace, you know, um, there is an occasional celebration where people will go out after work. And when they go out to, to an establishment that they know, will, will, there will probably be some excessive drinking happening. They conveniently do not invite me. And I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> But why? Because just by my very presence, because 
the fruit of the light of goodness and righteousness and truth. They see that and it exposes what they want to do and they don't want to spoil their good time. So if you are making people around you feel uncomfortable at times, you may just be doing the right thing. Because as we become light on the inside, we will be the light on the outside. I wanted to finish off with a, an illustration, uh, one that you know that really explains the whole process here. So I wanted to take an excerpt from a, um, the Good and Beautiful God um, series by James Bryan Smith, because he tells a, a lot of stories about people with false beliefs and false narratives, and how you know during, during the process of spiritual transformation. Uh, the Holy Spirit really wants to get to that root of the problem and, and what kind of results that, that come of it. And so he tells a story about when he worked as an intern chaplain at a retirement center. And some of you probably have read it or heard it. But bear with me. So one day a man named Ben um, in the retirement uh, center uh, requests a visit from the chaplain. So he's the intern chaplain, so he gets assigned to go. And he describes Ben, when he describes Ben, he says, he looked serious and important, like one who would not be crossed. And he goes on to say um, how he continued to visit Ben simply to have conversations with him and spend time with him. He's just spending time with him. He's not necessarily preaching to him or teaching him, trying to teach him anything, although he does say that they do have some discussions about religion, but uh, also philosophy and all sorts of other stuff. And then he says, one day Ben opened up to him about himself, and he said, I was born in 1910. I made my first million by 1935. I was 25 years old. By the age of 45, I was the richest man in my state. Politicians wanted to be my friend. I lied, cheated, and stole from whoever I could. My motto was simple, take all you can from whoever you can. I amassed wealth, and everyone was impressed with me. I had a lot of power in those days. I had 2,000 employees, and all of them looked up to me or were afraid of me, one or the other. Money was really all I cared about. I had three wives, all who left me because of neglect or because they caught me in one of my many affairs. He said, I have one daughter who is now in her 40s, but she refuses to speak to me. And he goes on and he says, "I, I suppose you could say that I ruined my life because today I have nothing really. Oh, I still have a lot of money. I still have more money than I could ever spend. But that brings me no joy. I sit here each day waiting to die. I have nothing but bad memories. I cared about no one in my life, and now no one cares about me. Now, Ben's problem, really, if you go to the root cause of it, was that he... Uh, adopted a set of beliefs or ideas that society tries to teach us about what success and happiness are. But the ideas that, that society tries to teach us about health or success and happiness are all wrong. So he was simply just going by this false story that was fed to him by the world about what constitutes a good and happy life. 
So James Ryan Smith, he, he describes how he continued to minister to the man, and, and eventually um, he was able to explain to him what redemption is. And um, then he goes, you know, the story goes on, and then he, he, he says that some years later he receives a letter. They had uh, eventually lost contact, and, um, you know, his internship was up, and he moved on. And so he, he lost contact with this man. But years later he received a letter from Ben's daughter indicating that he passed away. But in it, she details how she uh, and Ben, her and her father, had reconciled and that Ben had come to know the Lord as his Savior. So just taking a step back and thinking about this story. So James Bryan Smith was able to spend time with this man. And I have to believe as James Bryan Smith was spending time with this man, he was simply being the light. And simply by nature of being the light, he was exposing things in the darkness of this man's heart. And eventually, Ben, the man, chose not to shy away from the light or hide from the light, but invited Christ into his heart. Now the light of the world is dwelling in him. Now the process of spiritual transformation could continue in Ben's life. And God rewrites those narratives. He corrects those errors in knowledge. He renews our minds. And now this man, who at the time, was, I think he died, he says he died when he was like 85 or 87 years old. He spent his whole life miserable because of believing in a false narrative. But he was able to reconcile with his daughter when the light exposed the darkness, and came to live within him. And I believe that as the light began to dwell in him, he eventually began to display the fruit of the light to his daughter, who he reconciled with as well. Now that's the process of spiritual transformation. And it's not simply just God convicting us of something and us saying, okay, God, I know i got to get rid of that. The light comes to live within us. We become the light, and we got to own it. Amen? We've got to own it. So I, w- I just want to take a few moments. Again, I'm just really enjoying this moment. I really feel the presence of, of the Lord here. And I believe that he wants to minister to some of us. Because maybe, maybe this is a new revelation for some people about spiritual transformation. And, and maybe God really wants to take some time and speak to some people. Maybe he's going to bring up some things within you that are harming you that you either didn't know were there because it's some sort of belief that you're not necessarily analyzing to be true or false. You've already filed it away as true. Or maybe it's something that, that's there, that you see is there, but you don't realize how much it's harming you. Like Ben and his view of what success and what happiness are. I don't want to wait until I'm 87 years old to figure that out. So i got to let the light in now, and i got to let him expose what he wants to expose. And I, I need to let him renew my mind. 
So I'd like us just to take a few moments and close ourselves in with the Holy Spirit and just let him talk to us. Maybe he wants to expose some things, but we need to be okay with that because he's not exposing it to him. He already sees it. He's exposing it to us. But it's because he opposes anything that would harm you. He's opposed to anything that would harm you. So let him. Let him speak to you. Hallelujah, Lord. I just thank you. Thank you, God, that you care so much. That you'd have the patience to go through this process with us, Lord God. Lord, that you are opposed to anything that would be harmful to me. I thank you for that. So, Lord, let me not misinterpret what you're trying to do inside of me. But, God, help me be a willing participant in the process. And, God, as your word says that I've become the light, that we have become the light, help us to own that. Help us to acknowledge it. Help us to take responsibility for it. And as we go out into the world, O Lord God, Help us to display the fruit of the light so that you can begin the same process in others. And God, I pray for anybody here who is just struggling because it is uncomfortable and it isn't easy. But God, I pray that that they would hear you loud and clear. And that they would know that what you're trying to do within them is out of love. Because you don't want to see them harmed. You don't want to see them destroyed. You don't want to see their lives ruined by it. Just give them the courage, again, in this situation, to own it. And to continue on walking through the process day by day. God, I thank you that you want to transform us, that I am no longer the man that I used to be, but that you're remaking me, reshaping me into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. And you're doing it through the process of renewing my mind. God, I just thank you. And I just pray that, um, again, that we have the courage to stay in the light each and every day and not to shrink back into the darkness. God, we love you. We just thank you. And we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.